Welcome to the Mind Heart Muscle Podcast, where we explore the body and mind connection, train our hearts and souls, and understand what it is to be human. We connect with authors, coaches, and entrepreneurs from all over the world to both challenge and develop the way we think and approach our life. If you want to become the best version of yourself, have better relationships, and optimize your health, You'll learn that and much more here. We know you'll enjoy the show, so here we go. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Mind, Heart, Muscle podcast. Today we have a special guest along with myself and Ron White. We have entrepreneur podcast host all around awesome dude Michael Cashew and to preface today's episode before we get into it uh, a few weeks back now it's it's been over a month we did our day of discomfort and if you remember I I did talk about that on one episode solo how uh, how we spent the day um, doing some things with a group of like-minded people who wanted to get out of their comfort zone and it was a really awesome experience and I remember at one point uh, coming down from our our hike at the end of the day talking to Ron about um, something I had heard on another podcast Michael Cashew's podcast he talked about his new project called Soul Searching Adventures and it really intrigued me because of the, the type of experience that he described. Um, getting people outdoors, doing things that were difficult, uncomfortable, and giving them a more emotional, spiritual, mental um, experience and challenge. And after what we had gone through together that weekend, that day that we, we spent together with people, it seemed like it was right in line with what he was talking about. And I wanted to pick his brain and, uh, and share some ideas with, with Michael to, to help our listeners understand the value of these things. So Michael introduces himself and we get right into a great conversation talking about his project, Wilderness um, Soul Searching Adventures. Um, our experience in the outdoors and with um, emotional and spiritual change. We talk about working alongside your spouse, your partner, and what it's like to be a new father. Really awesome show, guys. I hope you enjoy it. If you don't mind, Michael, introduce yourself and let's start off by um, talking about how you got to creating the Soul Searching Adventures. Sounds great, man. Also, I do want to say, I didn't realize, Ron, that you are also a professional comedian until just now. <laughs> I, I didn't recognize you at first. <laughs> um, I, I'm sorry. I just, I didn't have my cigar and glass of whiskey. I yeah, was, no, I wasn't no. prepared. It's my fault. It's my fault. <laughs> so, okay. How did I get to where I am in the last 30 years. I'll give you (laughs) the shortest version possible. Uh, I grew up in a small town in Louisiana and I had a very 
very like all American upbringing came from a great family that, you know, from parents that love each other. I come from a very like solid extended family. Everyone loves each other. There's no major drama. And the reason that I say some of these things is because uh, early on in my teenage years, I became very interested in drugs and alcohol. And through my later years, I would become a drug addict. And I've spent so much time trying to figure out what the cause of that was. And I have lots of different theories, but the reason that I say, you know, where I come from is it definitely doesn't seem to be like a, a family system thing, right? Like most people that uh, go through what I went through, they had a very um, intense and tumultuous relationship with their family. And that wasn't me. I, I think the the biggest reason that I chose to use in the first place was just feeling insecure around my peers. It was an insatiable desire to fit in with those around me. And I thought what I had to do to fit in was break all of the rules, break all of the rules, take a bunch of risks and it just so happened the kids in my class and a handful of kids that I grew up with, they were just into drugs. And I was, I, I felt very invincible as a kid. So I was never afraid to try the next, you know, riskier, more intense drug that, that my friends were into. When I was 17, I, at that point for, for the last couple of years, I had become a habitual user. I was taking a bunch of different kinds of pills every day, all day long. I started to shoot needles. I started to use needles and shoot cocaine and Oxycontin into my arms. And around then I started to feel like I had a problem for the first time. By then my family, my parents definitely thought I had a problem. And so they sent me off to rehab. At that time I was still a minor. So it was like a half willing, half against my will sort of situation. And the first program that I went to was a wilderness therapy program. It was called Second Nature. And it was in just out, it was in the desert outside of St. George, Utah. I got there on, let's say, February 8th, 2018. This is six months, five or six months before my 18th birthday. At the time, I had been using especially a lot of Xanax and Oxycontin and opiates and benzos, which are those two drugs. Those are very rough to come down off of. Um, I definitely wasn't like a, you know, in the living in the streets, homeless junkie. I wasn't using that much, but I was definitely using enough to where withdrawing from these drugs was just so miserable. So take that. And add on top of it, me living in the desert in February, it was so freezing cold. And I grew up in Louisiana. It was so freezing cold. I was withdrawing and it was a really, really miserable experience. Uh, over the next eight weeks, I learned some of the skills that I value most today. It was, a, it was very 
transformational in in some ways and in others it was the just the beginning of my recovery some of the things that i learned there were a how to survive outdoors you know i'm i literally lived in a tent for 9 weeks straight and so i learned all of these survival skills i learned how to carve things out of wood start fires make shelters out of lots of different materials and so that was really fun and it also just felt it made me feel more capable as a human being. But most importantly, I learned how to just be myself around people my age, around my peers. Kind of going back to what I said earlier, this was like the crux of my issues and my insecurity was wanting to fit in and just not feeling like I was ever doing a good enough job and always putting on a different mask for different types of people based on what I thought they wanted me to be. And so I learned how to express my emotions out there. I learned how to give and receive feedback to people. And in general, this was just the beginning of me, quote unquote, working on myself and seeing that as something valuable. Rather than just like working out in a gym, I saw the possibility for me to work on what was inside of my head and in my heart and in my relationships. And so I had that experience and I'll, I'll, you know, I'll zoom past the next 10 years. I go through another uh, inpatient treatment center and that's where the bulk of my therapy was done and, and you know, most of my recovery was done. I went on to college, I got into fitness and I've started, I started my first fitness business called brute strength about six and a half years ago. I sold that to my business partner a few years ago. So I could join my wife at D to lead our current company, which is called working against gravity. And ever since I got out of rehab and started college and just started to envision what I wanted to do with my life and my career, I've always felt so drawn to helping people in the emotional realm or even the spiritual realm, the things that saved my life. And so when I first started college, I thought I wanted to be a social worker, kind of walked down that path. That didn't work out. I thought I wanted to be a psychologist, same story. I have tried to implement personal development exercises and work in everything that I've done since then. I've tried multiple types of like life coaching and nothing has really fit for me until I discovered soul searching adventures. And it, for me, it feels very much full circle because for those of you who don't know what, what soul searching adventures are, basically I'm doing wilderness therapy with adults. I'm not doing therapy, but it's, it's deep introspective personal development work with adults on epic outdoor trips. So in a very real way, I feel like I'm giving back in the exact way that my life was changed. So you work with both men and women on these trips? For now, I only work with men and I intend to work with men and women pretty soon. Awesome. What are the, what, what do you guys get into? So there are two, there are three main 
themes of the trips that I am hoping people that I'm hoping really sink in for people. Number one is I want to help people tap into their inner teacher, their inner guru, the, the place within themselves that is always centered, always has the right answer for him or her so that they can stop outsourcing their thinking and their beliefs, start thinking for themselves, start generating their own source of peace rather than always looking to someone else, something external, a book or a, a coach or a podcaster or a boss or a friend for their own internal source of peace and direction. I believe that all of us have this deep, innate inner wisdom that has been covered up by a lot of conditioning and stories and challenging life experiences. And that if we allow ourselves to, um, in many different, there are many different ways to do this, but if we allow ourselves and really work at removing some of that shit, the, the wisdom just comes out and we all know the next right step for us. So I want, I want people to tap into that. Number two is, I want people, I want to invite people to connect more with mother nature. It's something like finding someone, you know, when you find a, a friend or maybe you found a partner where things just click and you become a better person in their presence. Have you, either of you felt like that? Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. I think that all of us are that way in nature, especially if we know what we're doing out there, right? Like if we're going on a, an extended trip, we do need to know some basics, like how to relate with her, how to survive out there. And if we know some basics, then things just click and a level of clarity comes through without even trying peace comes through without even trying. Um, so I, 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 I'm inviting people to connect more deeply with mother nature, with our, with our home. And then finally, I am creating experiences to help people connect with other human beings really deeply, really quickly. And hopefully, you know, if, if, the people on these trips aren't already relating to the people in their lives in a really like deep and authentic way. I want to show them how simple it can be by giving them a lot of practice, right? We do a lot of, I give people a lot of questions and exercises that sort of like dig up what has been buried and what's really important to people. And that can be a lot of very, very emotional stuff. And then we share it and we just do that over and over and over as well as, you know, teaching wilderness survival skills. We're digging up shit and then we're sharing it with people. And then we're seeing, oh, I can share my insecurities and they don't think less of me. And in fact, they think more of me. They trust me more. They think I'm courageous, right? They see me as a bigger person. And so that's the third element. I want to really, I want to go to that deep place with people and, and create a really uh, cohesive community really quickly. It's amazing uh, how quickly 
people can bond when they start unloading that that baggage and and then finding out oh man you know i'm not the only one um that's like wait you have that problem too that's what we hear yes that's what i hear all and one of the biggest things that plagues all of us is thinking we're unique in our pain (laughs) and that's what we found when we uh when we took that group of people out into the woods and hung out out there for a solid four hours and stood around a fire while it was snowing and we all started unpacking our shit and it was it was you know we shared laughs we shared tears we you know we we shared solutions it was uh such an amazing experience so it's it's a it's awesome to hear that uh other people are finding similar uh missions to to take people on similar path too it's you know and one you know as as you were talking michael about those those three themes one of the things that that came to my mind and i wanted to ask you is how did you find your like your inner teacher what was what was that moment like for you and what changed after that it definitely has not been a moment it's been a mm-hmm. process mm-hmm. <clears throat> Is there one, there are one particular number, thing? Yeah. Yeah. There are a number of different things that have had a big effect on this. I think the thing that I've done the longest ha- that that's continued to have this big effect on me is meditation. And really like what happens for me in meditation is I, I've, I've written about this before. I think our minds are kind of like snow globes and like, I think Eastern philosophy might call this karma. Like we just have a bunch of shit bouncing (laughs) around in our heads from again, past conditioning, upbringing, um, you know, our experiences in the present. And it's like this shaken up snow globe. And it can really be hard to get a signal and to be clear about what we really want what we, we really value when all of this shit is bouncing around, mostly that's not ours. And meditation has allowed me to get glimpses of just that, the sediment settling down and then just feeling so crystal clear about what action to take on a specific, on, on, on some sort of problem that I have, or just feeling like, oh, I was stressed out 30 minutes ago and now I could not possibly be more serene. And I've had a lot of coaches and therapists and mentors that have had a really big effect on my life, but none of them have that level of influence on me that I'm able to tap into myself. And so meditation has been a really big one. You know, all of the like personal development courses and, and things like that, that I've done. One thing recently that, I think helps me get like kind of get this language. Uh, there were two of them. Number one was an ayahuasca experience, a plant medicine experience where the shaman uh, came to us somewhere during the ceremony. And he said, the next Jesus Christ or Moses or Buddha will not come in the form of a single individual, but 
a community of people that are all in touch with their inner teacher. So he used that word and that really connected with me. So that's one point that happened in the past year, year and a half. The other is my response to COVID and the BLM movement. I, this was the first time the past like year and a half is the first time in my life that I've taken any level of interest in current events. And what I noticed and, and what a D actually helped me see is that I was t- way too easily swayed by what other people believed and thought. I had no idea what was going on, just like everyone else. And so rather than thinking critically and zooming out and trying to see like patterns in the world and just really trying to think for myself, I was thinking more like, who, what thought leaders do I trust? And let me see what they believe. And I'm just going to believe wholeheartedly what they believe. And then maybe there's someone on the right, like a more conservative person. And I take up that viewpoint. And then I look up to someone on the left, more liberal viewpoint. Um, and then I listen to a podcast with one of them and I, you know, swing to the other side of the pendulum. And what I noticed is I, you know, I'm just not thinking for myself. <laughs> in in regards to that. And so, yeah, that experience taught me that it reaffirmed that no one really knows what's going on in life, right? We're all just pretending to a certain degree. We're all just like pretending like we know what we're doing, like we know the direction we're going. And it reaffirmed that that's okay. And also, the only person that knows what's best for me is me. It's uh, it's interesting. You bring up the, that point, the, the political swaying, I guess. Do you, do you think it's because, um, because you really didn't have much of an opinion about it on your own that you kind of went with the flow and you took the opinions of the people you respected because you were so disconnected from that, that world or that environment. Yes, for sure. And I had a great conversation about this with a friend on my podcast recently. And I asked him, uh, how do you deal? Like he's a, he's a major thought leader in the nutrition world and the fitness world. And so many people look up to him for an opinion on certain things, but when you're an expert in one thing, many times people expect you to be an expert in everything. And I think there can be a level of guilt associated with not having an opinion in all of those things. And what I've been noticing is you, there are just way too many things to have an opinion on. And so I asked him (laughs) what he does with the feeling of pressure to have to have an opinion on everything. And his answer was very simple. He just has taught himself to kind of just shrug and say, I don't like if, if you were to ask me or you were going to ask him what his opinion on is, is on global warming, for instance, and he doesn't have any, any idea, he would simply shrug his shoulders and say, I don't know, rather than trying to make something up. And I've definitely felt a level of guilt and pressure to know more than I actually have the capacity to know. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. No, I, I can, 
I mean, totally relate to that. I remember it was actually, it was a year ago almost when, when all that was going down and you open up your social media and just see hate and all this, uh, you know, drama, gossip, black magic going around and, and you're so tempted to choose a side. It's, it's, it's like, um, it's taunting you and other people, they don't make you feel, you make you feel, but you, you start to feel uh, the pressure to make a choice. And then, and I remember one day, one day realizing, you know, sitting, sitting in my, um, my kitchen, looking through social media and I'm like, I shut that, shut that shit off. And <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to go make breakfast <laughs> and have some coffee. And, and I actually recorded a video that day uh, on my Instagram talking about how we don't need to choose sides. It's okay to think and be, you know, for yourself and, and think about the things that, that are important to you today, right now. And if you think like, you know, even 20, 30 years ago, you had no idea what was going on halfway across the world. And all of a sudden we have all this input and all of these influences from different people and different subjects and, you know, trains of thought. And we, we get so wrapped up. And I love that, um, that that's part of your projects and your, your way of thinking and how you've been able to sort of dissociate yourself from that. So you can really focus on, on you and, and, and I'm sure it's paid off in dividends and personal happiness and fulfillment success in business and you know relationships and all that is that something i mean how do we how do we teach that to people that that it's okay to not give in or let go another um thought on one of your themes is connecting with nature i love it because i've man i've spent most of my life outdoors um hunting and fishing and then camping and hiking. And my, my honeymoon was in a, in a van driving around Colorado and Utah. Nice. Just nice. trying to see the, see what the world has to offer, you know? And, and when you mentioned when, when you're in nature, you have this uh, innate ability, right? To, you know what to do in a way things tend to come naturally. It's easier to learn and it's, built within you. We've been talking about this a lot, how we have these abilities within us. What, what are some, some things you've noticed about um, people in, in nature when they go from possibly not having much experience and now you put them in this seemingly intense situation where they're unfamiliar in uncharted waters? What, what changes do you notice in people? A bunch. One is that they seem more, well, they go through, they go through phases. If they haven't been outdoor, like outdoors to a significant extent, they haven't slept in nature, then there's definitely a period of tension and apprehension and they're scared. And then once they just surrender to 
the fact that I've got it covered, they're going to be okay. Then what I see is them being just fully themselves. I see people are often joking around way more. They're much more like lighthearted. A D, for instance, the funniest I've ever seen her was on a backpacking trip. She was she was just messing with people and digging on people constantly when she usually, that's just usually not her style, but she was just so loose and at ease that she was hilarious. It was amazing. It's so easy to hide from what the world's expectations are of you when you're in the middle of the woods. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to let your guard down when you're out there and all you can see for miles on end is trees. It's mm-hmm. fantastic. <laughs> Agreed, man. I recently I recently broke my foot and I actually haven't been out into the woods since the weekend that I was out with Matt and I am uneasy right now because I haven't been able to get out and breathe in the fresh air and disconnect and it's frustrating it's it's uh nowhere near down the road did i go like you did but i was close uh i was 18 19 years old um very heavy uh very heavy marijuana usage and and uh the area that I was living in was starting to run dry. So it became easy to start to dabble in some other things. And, and luckily enough, I recognized what was going on about the sixth or seventh day in a row that I snorted heroin. And, uh, and uh, as I've grown from that experience and many of other experiences, um, I've found things like the woods um to the woods, the ocean, um, roller coasters, uh, anything that really gets the adrenaline going to just like, it kind of, it doesn't kind of, it it really brings me that same sense of uh, what I was trying to get away from in my later teens. And, and it is that pressure that, that, uh, the expectations of the people around you that we let bog us down so hard. And when, when you get out there and um, luckily enough, a couple, uh, a couple weeks before um, that weekend, my wife and I got away to uh, this place in the middle of Pennsylvania that was in the mountains. And, you know, we just got out on this trail and there was snow everywhere and it had been packed down by people riding snowmobiles. So it was super simple to hike, but man, there was no phone service and all you could see around was mountains and trees and you don't think about anything else. It, it, it just takes the guard down for you. Well said, man. And I want to point out that I love how you said getting out in nature and surfing and roller coasters. I love roller coasters. <laughs> yes. Love- Which one of these is not like the others? <laughs> I, um, I've spent an ample, I, I broke my foot riding BMX. So uh, riding dirt jumps, riding skate parks uh, is like 
the place that can be somewhat close to all of the stuff where you have to keep your guard up, like, like the skate parks in the middle of town. So you're still going to be around people that judge you and have expectations of you. And, but as soon as, as soon as the tires start moving, it all goes away. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing on the roller coaster, man. As soon as you're locked in and you start going up, clink, 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 it all goes away. Like, it's just those moments where it's those moments where your life is super fragile and you can taste it. Like be, being in the middle of the woods with no cell phone service. That's a fragile moment. If something bad happens, that's potentially it, you know? And, and that's, that's the drug in it. That's the, that's the breath of fresh air, literally. And figuratively that we're able to breathe in when we go into nature you're also super limited in the choices that you have in front of you the decisions you have to make mm -hmm. if you're locked into a roller coaster what else are you gonna do you're gonna ride it <laughs> you're gonna be present as fuck that's right <laughs> if you're out in the woods hey <laughs> you got the whatever's on your back and whatever's in front of the on the trail in front of you yeah it's like get to destination <laughs> get to the camp make sure you have enough time to set up camp and eat yeah very, very simple plans. what else it's getting back into uh simplicity simpler times too without you know the 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 paleo man comes out right the paleolithic man what we were what we were born with it's exciting what are michael what are some uh what are some things um what are questions that you've had about this what questions have you gotten from potential participants in what their you know what their fears were or what their thoughts were Yeah, the most common ones are about the physical aspects of it. Like, mm -hmm. am I going to be, are we going to be safe? And then what is the actual like itinerary? And all I can say is that I've been doing this a, a really long time. I, at this point, I still take a guide with us. That's a, an expert in this stuff. And so we're as safe as one could possibly be doing this type of activity. And I just ask that people suspend their judgment until the end of the trip. And I've never taken someone on a backpacking trip that didn't leave feeling like it was one of the coolest experiences of their life. Where, uh, what's, what's coming up next? Like where, where's your next location? As, as at the time of this recording, this coming Monday, April 5th, uh, we're going to the Grand Canyon. Yes. Yeah. Oof, that's fun. Yeah. It's going to be epic, man. And then after that, I may do one in September or October. I haven't, I haven't started planning that one yet. Mm -hmm. How many what, have you what, done so far? One. This one. Yep. And planning this amidst the pandemic, how was that? 
very easy. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're going where COVID is not really an issue, right? We're going to huge expanses of nature where we're not going to be anywhere near people. We don't know, even the people, even the participants don't have to be that close together. Right. And we're outside the whole time. So all of those are recipes for safety as far as COVID is concerned. And it's super easy now to, to travel. I don't know if you guys have traveled much it's been amazing. in the last year. I want it to stay this way. Oh my God. Flights. I've, I've had entire rows to, to ourselves and, you know, mm-hmm. tons of space, empty planes and quick ex- airport process. I'm excited to find out in two weeks. Oh yeah. That's yeah. going to be fun. Oh yeah. That's going to be a nice little weekend adventure. Um, I wanted to ask one other question, so separate from um, the Soul Searching Adventures project, and uh, a little more about you, Michael. How did how did you recognize you were ready to shift from the fitness space into this personal development space when you sold your your company? What was what were the motivating factors there? Gotcha. To be clear, I still do work at working against gravity. So I'm, I'm still okay. very much in fitness, but the way that I knew I was done with brute is a feeling of being drained by the work, right? If I would spend time on it, I would feel tired after doing it rather than energized. And for a long time, I have intentionally created business projects where I can be in my, as, as much in my unique genius as possible and not have to do things that I really don't want to do and that are draining and that are out of my wheelhouse. And so I was still, I was doing things that were say in my unique genius, like creating content and providing strategy. And it was still draining for me. I still cared about the team. I still cared about our athletes. And I was just feeling drained by that work. I didn't have the same level of vision that I used to, right? My thoughts were, were going to, my, my visionary thoughts were going towards other things like family and community. And how can I, how can I meet this? need to give back to people in in that emotional realm that I spoke about earlier. And sitting with that for long enough, right? I, I, I would never want to have that feeling one day or for one week and make a big life decision because it may just be that I haven't slept enough or something's up with my relationship, or maybe I actually am just doing work in the business that I don't love and I need to be doing other work. So I don't want to make that kind of decision quickly. But as I sat with that feeling in my body long enough, that tension and that, that draining feeling, um, I just knew. I, knew, I knew it was done. And it took me longer to leave than it did to come to the decision because 
for the same reason, so many people, I think, stay in a marriage that they don't want to be in. It's because they don't have a plan. I didn't have a plan yet. And as soon as I got clear that I could help a D lead wag, and I saw this vision of what that could do for our family, allowing her to step away a little bit and be more with our kids. Then I was on board. I felt like we had a plan and then I executed. That's great to lead into what I've really wanted to know is um, my wife uh, is a big part of the reason I was able to buy my business partner out and she's taken on a role within uh, the facility that we have. And um, I would really love to hear uh, any advice that you might have for us working together and let you know that she can hear you right now as well. Awesome. <laughs> hey there. Uh, Absolutely, man. I have a lot of thoughts right now, on this. Right now, uh, the concept of us working together is, you know, in the honeymoon phase, uh, like it's fresh. It feels good. Um, we've had a little bit of conflict through it. Um, and at this current point, uh, things are the best since it's become a thing. And obviously I'm realistic enough to know that it's not always going to be this way, but I would damn like to try my hardest to keep it as awesome as possible. And I've consumed a lot of, uh, the podcast the brute podcast that you did with a d and then a lot of the wag podcast that you guys had done together as well so i've i've had a lot of the information that you guys have talked about um and it's been first off thank you because it's been extremely helpful um the the first relationships episode that you guys did blew me away and um changed the way i think about a lot of things so i respect what you and your wife have to say when it comes to relationships. And I really want to know what you think is uh, best for working with your partner. Yeah, man. So the most important thing, in my opinion, is what we call separating the sacred and the secular. The sacred is all of the things that are, they're sacred. They're near and dear to our hearts. They're about love and connection and desire and special moments. Secular is about scheduling, planning, direction. It's about the things that are a little more structured. When Adi and I met, we were plugged in constantly and we were thinking about and talking about work constantly. There was no separation between the different parts of our lives. And what that looked like is we woke up together inside of the travel trailer we were living in at the time. Both of us would pull open our phones. We'd go through Instagram and then email and then text messages and then back to Instagram. And then we'd go in this little loop probably for 30 to 60 minutes. And then we'd get out of bed and we're just, again, like constantly plugged in. And we would do that until we went to bed at night. And that was okay for a while. And because we were just so in love, the relationship was new, et cetera. And over time, that really started to affect our level of presence with one another. And for me, uh, actually for both of us, just like our, our connection in general. And so what we've learned is to create very strict boundaries around when we use technology, when we 
talk about work and when we talk about anything related to that, anything that is secular. So what that looks like for us is between about six and 9 a.m., everything is sacred. We don't talk about work. And if one of us brings something up about work, it's usually, hey, like, hey, Adi, do you mind if I talk about something related to work right now? I know, I, I know it's early, but do you mind? And then she can say no, which she often does, <laughs> right? And then we just talk about it later. And then we're able to stay in this like relaxed, sacred space for the time that we've chosen. And then we work. And then after four or 5 p.m., again, it's sacred time. So usually we ask for permission. Sometimes we don't. And if we don't, if it bothers the other person, the other person can say, hey, I, I really want to talk about this, but can we table it until tomorrow? And when we were first implementing this, it was a little bit clunky we were, you know, if she was on her phone more than I want, I expected her to be, or she brought up work. I was a little bit mean or rude about it in the beginning. Like we talked about this, you're not doing it. Not the right approach. At Wait, this you mean point, you tell me you're, you're a human being and you were reactive. <laughs> quite, quite. <laughs> and at this point it's, uh, you know, most of the time we definitely still, fuck up and, and treat each other like shit. Sometimes, uh, at our best, we might, I might say something like, I think, actually, I think I just said it. Yeah. We're just like much more, much more compassionate with one another if we make mistakes and that separation really keeps our, our connection and desire for each other alive. Then another one is around rituals. We have rituals for every meaningful thing in our life, including things in our relationship. So it's really important to us that both of us know what's going on in our financial life. So every month we have a personal finance meeting. It's really important to us that our connections stay alive and that we're unearthing and, and being clear about issues that are coming up or tensions that we have. And so every week we have a relationship check-in where we just have a really deep drop-in for about an hour with each other to just check in on our relationship. As it relates to business, it's really important to us that we very much in the same way as our like intimate relationship, we're just keeping our business relationship really clean. We're bringing up tensions we are praising each other for what, like the growth we see in each other. And so we have a, a business check-in once a month. So a little bit of the itinerary for that is the top level is what's different, new, or what has changed in the business. Another one is what did you commit to last month as a leader and how did you do? And how do you want to show up differently next month? Like, what do you want to work on as a leader next month? So we both do that. And then we both praise each other for any growth that we've seen or any appreciation that we have for the other people. And then there's a section for like new ideas um, and strategy and stuff like that. And so just having a consistent check-in on anything, but in regards to this, on our business relationship helps us continue to make sure there's nothing 
nothing big pops up because we deal with things on a frequent basis, right? And we, and we kind of deal with them in their infancy rather than them growing into this monster. Got that? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, those are two, those are two really big ones. <laughs> then, then finally is kind of like a, a mindset thing is get as clear as possible with both of your roles and then get out of each other's way. No one wants to be micromanaged um, in a relationship. I think it makes sense to actually I'll backtrack. Yeah. No, no, no one wants to be micromanaged and ideally you want to collaborate rather than each person acting completely autonomously. You want to collaborate and allow the combination of your ideas to give birth to an even better idea as much as possible. And at the end of the day, whoever's role it is, they should have the final say without feeling judged or without feeling like you're holding something against them because you didn't take their uh, opinion and this is a, this is a practice. It's not like a, you can just decide to do this and it's just going to be that way. Like, it, yeah, it's very much a practice that will, will take some time to really implement. Hell yeah, man. That's also very beneficial. <clears throat> I'm glad. Hey, other. I'm glad. It sounds like um, really good strategies, whether you're married to your business partner or not. And I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, if, if you're like, if you have a partner, you're, you're doing projects with your partner all the time. Like you're buying a house, you're having a kid, you're, I don't know, you're like starting a hobby together. That's the same as business. Like it's just a project. And yeah, if we can collaborate with, with people better, these projects are going to go so much better. We're going to be more successful. We're going to have more fun, all of those things. Yeah. And I love that you, you, you know, you said, and Ron mentioned it before, we're all human, we mess up, it's a practice. And, and I oh, I certainly forget that often. And I love the and fact we, that he, <laughs> I love the fact that he said that they treat each other like shit. Because oh, yeah, because <laughs> sometimes some things happen between us. And I, I feel so bad with the way I handle things. And it's just like, and it's that same concept that we talked about earlier, you know, realizing that you're not alone it's awesome to just mm -hmm. you know you're I'm a dick. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome to hear that you know that being on the outside looking in from thousands thousands of miles away you know you guys make your team look awesome and rock solid but it's nice to be reminded that even rock solid teams get shaken at their core mm-hmm Mm -hmm. and, and that's true no matter how successful or buttoned up someone looks and with the you know my wife and i have been together for a little over two years now and things happen super fast all the way around from the relationship to the marriage to now in a sense being business partners um that i know that the the possibility of our foundation getting shaken up is huge. It's tremendous. And, uh, and it's nice to have, I've have conversations like these 
um, with people that are running a company that for, that I've I've watched grow. Like I remember, I, I've followed Adi forever before you two even got together because she was a weightlifter and um, and uh, and I watched her start working against gravity over Instagram and like I've just seen it from its infancy and it's just amazing to see and uh and in i don't know how how many years ago it was but in that many years from now i want to be sitting here saying the same thing about my company oh yeah man and my partnership so you're on your way brother thank you Mm. matt you got anything else Yeah, man. What's it like to raise a newborn and, and still like <laughs> hustle hard? <laughs> Cause I'm, I'm getting one soon. Yeah, and, man. Oh, some of the things that are, that we talk about every night are around schedule work and, and I own a business too. You know, I, I'm up at three 30 every day. Yeah. I'm home at, at 8 PM some days and that's got it. That's going to change <laughs> real soon. <laughs> You're up at three 30. I, I love my hour and a half from three thirty to five, where I get to have coffee and read and drive to work. Like that's my time. And then Holy I own a, you know, I own a, own a CrossFit gym. So I'm like, all right, clients answering phone calls, do all doing all that stuff. And then yep. I get to come home for an hour or two in the middle of the day, but yeah, that's, I've implemented that recently getting up early that early. And I, I actually enjoy it and it's making me, uh, get used to getting up in the middle of the night, which I'm expecting. So yeah. what, what advice do you have though, for, for someone who, yeah, raising a newborn or even uh, taking on something new that's, that's exciting and managing your ambitions, your own personal vision. Cause it's gotta be, you gotta give yourself some time as well. Totally, man. So first off, I would not say that I hustle and I don't, I don't identify with that sort of thinking anymore. Like the, yeah, I, I just don't identify with it anymore. I, I certainly did at one point and I really just saw so much value in working as hard as possible. And at this point in my life, I'm, I'm more concerned with like, what's, what's good enough for me in certain things, right? If, if I'm not going to, like right now, it's much more important to me to be the best father and husband that I can be and to take care of my mental health and physical health than it is to double the size of our business. If the, if the value structure, the hierarchy was changed, then we might have a different conversation. But now it's more like what's good enough for me to feel like I'm doing what I can so that our staff still have jobs. We're continuing to grow at a reasonable pace. What's good enough for me? And that has been so helpful. It's been so helpful because there are just there are not enough hours in the day to be striving for pure excellence and um, winning in every single thing. We can't be the best at everything. We just don't have enough time. And so I've gotten clearer and clearer about my hierarchy of values. And so 
it just, it gives me a little bit of peace of mind. Then the other thing that I think helps me, like I still get a lot of shit done and I, I hold a lot in my life. <clears throat> and I think the, like the meta, the thing that's the most consistent thing that's helping me do that is zooming out and thinking about uh, different parts of my life rather than just executing. And it's, it's these check-ins, it's relationship check-ins, it's check-ins with myself and my journal, it's check-ins with myself in relation to how I'm doing in business. <clears throat> we could have a, a much mm -hmm. deeper discussion about, you know, all of the details of those things. But what I'm getting at is it's important to spend some time working on your life and on the business than in the life and in the business, like really getting some perspective. Some people say, there's a saying that goes something like, if like, if you want to, if you want to chop some, it's, this is going to be bad, but it's something like this. <laughs> if you want to chop some wood, spend 90% of your time sharpening the ax, 10%, yeah, 10% actually yeah. cutting. It's something like that. Yes, that. The, yeah, if, I've heard that one for sure. If I, had five <laughs> if I had five hours to chop down a tree, I'd spend the first four sharpening the axe. That's it. Ron's That's got it. it. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's taking more time to get some perspective, to prepare, to plan. Um, that that helps me out so freaking much so that I'm spending time, the very precious time that I do have on the right things rather than just spending a shitload of time on a lot of things. And then another thing that's helpful is just realizing, Matt, you were born to do this. You, you're so capable. You you are doing it, right? You're already in the process of doing it and becoming a father. You don't have to read any sort of books or take any courses or anything to know how to be a father. It's the most important thing in being a father and being a parent is just giving them your attention and being present with them. When I learned that, when that really sunk in, I was like, <laughs> okay, I can do that. It's in our biology. Mm -hmm. you, you, you feel it because uh, I struggled with it for a very long time. And, I feel it already. And, and, now, and now I'm starting to realize that five minutes is greater than zero minutes and 10 minutes is greater than five minutes. And, and with children's attention span, sometimes all they need is 10 to 15 minutes and then they want to go do something else. And they're freaking pumped. They got time with dad. And then all that's of a sudden, really interesting. And then all of a sudden you're back to doing what you're doing because now you're not existing again because they want to jump on the trampoline or play a video game. And, and they got that little dose of attention that they wanted mm -hmm. and, uh, and then they're good to go. And it that's took so, me, it yeah, took go me, ahead. You finish, finish. It took me so long to learn. And now, um, that was because of the effects of my ex, my, my, my previous marriage. And, and I, I held a lot of resentment towards my children. And, and once I, once I just learned that they don't need as much of me as they don't want as much as me, of me 
as I feel they do. Mm. And, and if I give them even the smallest dose and holy shit, Hey, if you tell them, Hey guys, this is, this is all I have right now. So let's make it the best. Like put, put your screen down too. You know, if you want me to pay attention to you and and I have to deal with that with my eight year old, it's like, dad, I want you. And then I'll go and sit with her and I'll put my phone down and then she'll pick up her iPad. And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not how this works. But yeah, it's, it's, it's the minimum effective dose, Matt. <laughs> I'm picturing, uh, Preston running up to you and saying, Hey, look, I learned this new trick. Oh, look at me. And then you're like, cool son. And then he just runs away. Yep. And that's it. And that's, and that's the moment. And that's the moment he'll remember and the moment you'll, you'll cherish, man. But if you, if you hold it from them, then I would imagine I'm not there yet with my son, but this is how it shows up in my relationship with the D. If I don't give her the the full undivided attention, then she's nagging. She's like, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. (laughs) But if I just, if I put it, put my attention on her and I give, I let go of like how, how much time I have and let go of the outcome. I so resonate with what you're saying, man. It's it's so much less than I judge it will be. Yeah. And I think I I know <clears throat> why it gets hard is because it happens when we're involved in something that we think is pressing or important. Mm. And and really it's trivial. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Like the stuff, the stuff is still gonna be there. My my really good friend, um, he, he wrote a book and, and uh, the one thing that he talked about was how he wrote the book and he went, he left his gym. He's another CrossFit gym owner. He left his gym, walked down the street to the Starbucks with his computer. He turned off his phone for one hour and he, and he, and he wrote and, and at the beginning people were giving him hell. Like what, Hey, what if, what if there's an emergency, you turn your phone on. And 99% of the time, after an hour, everything is still fine. Um, I recall you spent like two weeks out of cell service, right? One time, Mike, Michael? Um, something like that. You, like you went overseas or something like that? Yeah, I went I, to Ireland. It was close to two weeks. I remember listening to Adi talk about that. And I was just like, how the hell did you <laughs> do that? But now that I think about it, like it had to have been so refreshing. And so oh, it's amazing. Like you had to come back with so much gratitude. Yeah. And nowadays I crave it. I, I crave getting to turn my phone on airplane mode. But when the, yeah, the first couple of times I was doing that with a small business, I was, I, yeah, I, th- I thought things were going to break without me. I thought the emergencies were going to happen. And a lot of it was just like over, uh, overvaluing my own input. That's the ego creeping in a little bit yeah. thinking, I mean, you have, I'm sure you have people you can rely on. Absolutely. And, and it's, and like they, they got this, they don't, they got their jobs. They can do it. Can I do, can I take my own time? And you, you just got to love yourself for a little bit. Amen. Man. A while. Yeah. And I love where this conversation is going. 
<laughs> what, where can, what, what do you want people to know most about you right now, Michael? If you, if, if there was a snapshot and I was thinking about, um, about this, this question that I started asking people, like if there was like a snapshot quote or something describing you, what, what is it that you would want people to know about you? Hmm. <laughs> well, my ego very much <laughs> would like you to hear this and see me this way. I think my, uh, this comes from a question that I got from a mentor named Philip that goes, what, something like, what is your artistry? And so I think my artistry is helping people push their emotional and spiritual edges while having a blast doing so. It's mixing fun, like extreme amounts of fun with really edgy shit, really edgy conversations and inter internal explorations. That's my art. And I am so excited to share my art with people. I'm doing that in my life. I do that in my community and I'm doing that. Um, you know, I try my best to do that with our staff at, at WAG. I could certainly be doing a better job in the fun factor there. Um, and I'm certainly doing those in all my soul searching adventures. When you say community, what, what community are you referencing your hometown? My friends, your, my friends. Your, are your friends? Yep. Cool. Yep. Yeah. We have a, a very, very tight knit circle of friends here. How important is that? Yeah, man. That is, that's huge. Something we, uh, well, that's another practice too. Mm -hmm. keeping your friends, uh, close and sharing as much as you can. We do that all the time. Um, yeah. Ron. Yes, sir. As always, yeah, thanks man. for, <laughs> Thanks for taking your time out of your day, man, and sharing was, with us. This was one that I was super excited about. So, and Michael, of course, thank you so much for taking time out of your your day and uh, and, and giving us um, a chance to hear your uh, hear your stories and, and hear your perspective. Where can yeah, people so, learn more about all this and, and about you? Yeah, man. First off such an honor to be here. I know it, I know it took a while. I appreciate your flexibility with me. And, uh, this is a great conversation y'all where you can keep up with me. Um, I'm extremely inactive on social media, so you can <laughs> follow me at Michael Kazayu, C-A-Z-A-Y-O-U-X. You won't get much value there. Um, if you are <laughs> interested in hearing more from me, I have a couple podcasts, the Michael Kaz podcast and the WAG podcast. The first one I do by myself and I interview experts in health, fitness, relationships, that kind of thing. And the second is with my wife and we talk about similar topics, but they are shorter episodes with actionable items at the end of each. I also do a weekly newsletter called the Friday Exhale, and you can subscribe to that at michaelkaz.com. And my intention with that is to send you something that does not add to your stress level, very much like a nice long exhale. There's so much 
stress-inducing, fear-inducing content out in the world. And I want to share ideas and content that I'm finding in the world, as well as insights that I'm having in my life. And if you're interested in the trips, go to soulsearchingadventures.com. Before we close this out, I just wanted to acknowledge how great the episode with Monty from Chipotle was. That was phenomenal. I've listened to it two times through already. Thanks Mm -hmm. for saying that, man. Yeah, I was blown away by that guy. (laughs) Thank you so much. A lot of surprising quotes and surprising things from that too. Like you you don't expect from someone of his capacity and his caliber. Mm -hmm. It It was inspiring for sure. Thank you so much for your time today. And thank you for doing what you do. You're helping so many people, man. Thank you, Ron. Appreciate y'all. Bye guys. We're out. Later. If you loved this podcast, then share it. Tell all your friends, hit the copy button, copy the link choose five friends in your contact list on your phone and send it out. Let them know what they can expect from it too, because we are on a mission here to change the world and we want to help as many people as possible. So if you know anyone who can benefit from hearing what we have to say or what our guests have to say, then send it over. It's not going to do them any good if they don't hear it. Another way you can support us and support the podcast is really simply go on to Apple or go on to Spotify and rate the thing. Give us a five-star review. Write us a little note. Let us know how we're doing. Shoot us a DM on Instagram. Whatever it takes, let us know so we know that we're on the right track. And we know that we're providing content that is actually relevant to what you are needing and what you are looking for. And if it's not, hey, maybe we can help. So do your job. Thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate it.